I thought you said you could hotwire a podcast. I, I can! Sort of. It would have helped if you'd stolen the correct command codes from him. These are old and suspicious. Hello again, folks. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is podcast 188 for August the 24th, 2008. Wait a second. I seem to be getting some kind of a static uh, feedback or something. I, something's wrong here. I'm not sure. Let me check check this out here. Hurry. He's coming. Hold on. There's somebody out of my lawn. Almost got here, it. Hang on a second. Hey, somebody, somebody's parked their anomaly on my grass. Get, a, get, get that off my grass. What are you doing? Is it? Wait a second, is that is that Jen and Angela out there? What are you guys doing? What are you doing to the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast? What's going on? Got it! Kaylee, Kaylee, go get him! Punch it, Jen! That's the only way to do it. <laughs> but the best looking women that I've ever seen have all been in Texas. What else you got? In Just another girl that wants to rule the world at any time or place. And when she gets into your head, you know she's there to stay. Anomalous Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And if you haven't already noticed, we're taking this show on a joyride. Slow down, Jen. You almost hit a microcast. I know what I'm doing. This week, we're reviewing the sixth season of Star Trek, the Next Generation's episode, Ship in a Bottle. And I'm doing a collectible review of the cantina band Gentle Giant Bust Up. At the end of the show, we'll hear from some of our partners in crime from the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum. Let's go! This just in. It seems that two sci-fi geek-type ladies, commonly referred to as anomalies, or socially functional <laughs> fangirls, have stolen the Geekmeister Rico Dosti's Trexin Sci-Fi Podmobile and are traveling down the internet at this moment. Please be advised, they are armed with phasers and are extremely jovial. <laughs> Don't approach them unless you use the Vulcan hand salute. It was originally reported that Romulan ale was a factor and involved, but sources close to KTRK say that these two anomalies are responsible and would never get behind the controls of a Starfleet vehicle while under the influence of any mind-altering substance. Of course, if it were a mind-altering alien, that would be a completely different subject. But I digress. <laughs> well, now back to your original programming, right here on KTRK. Hey there, you're listening to... KTRK, and this world radio. Beating up news, information, and the latest sci-fi hits. 
Hey, it's time for our episode review of Ship in a Bottle with Angela and Jen right here on Trex and Sci-Fi KTRK. Now that we have control over Rico's podcast, (laughs) (laughs) we are doing a review of the season six TNG episode called Ship in a Bottle, which is actually a follow-up to the season two episode called Elementary Dear Data, where Dr. Pulaski... Dr. Pulaski and Jordy (laughs) asked the holodeck to create an adversary worthy of data. (laughs) My gosh, I was doing so good. We turned off everything else. We can leave that in as an homage to Rico, whose phone rings. Yeah, Rico's. But then there's the microwave, too. (laughs) Oh, honey, please get the lasagna out. It's ready. Oh, it's Dave. Thanks. Is that how Jim talks? Jim has a lower voice than Dave. I don't know why he did it. Okay. All right. Uh, we are doing a review of the episode Ship in a Bottle, which is season six. It's at the towards the middle of season six. And the episode is actually a follow-up to a season two episode called Elementary Dear Data where Dr. Pulaski and Jordy ask the holodeck to create an adversary worthy of data. Then the character of Professor Moriarty is inadvertently given consciousness and access to the ship's controls. At the end of that episode, Moriarty is put into memory storage with the insu- with the assurance that Picard would figure out a way to get him off the holodeck. Um, also in that episode, he threatens the ship and all this stuff happens and then finally they have to talk him down but Picard with his excellent um skills as skills a diplomat as a diplomat and a negotiator to talk him down and then ship in a bottle begins with Barclay finding the Moriarty file while doing a repair on the holodeck the episode is basically Moriarty continuing uh his efforts to become real and that's it and podcast <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Let's talk about what we liked about the episode. Okay. Okay. So when you first when we first decided to do the episode, mm-hmm. and it had been on Sci-Fi recently, and both of us had seen it, and we mm, went back. Some of us more than others. Some of us more than others. You saw what three times in a row yes, in one you, evening. Well, I was trying to get the baby to sleep, and so I just kept letting it play on the DVR, and so watched it and watched it and watched it while I rocked the baby. That's what happens. That's the one thing you can do while you're rocking a baby is watch TV. Watch Star Trek. Watch Star Trek. <laughs> and can I just say that no matter what Star Trek episode I'm listening to or I'm watching, it just makes my heart happy. You know? Like, doesn't TNG just make your heart happy? Yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Even bad Star Trek is good Star Trek. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Spock's brain was pretty painful. Oh, well. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I won't go there. We digress. All right, so what what do you like about the episode? I really liked the um, philosophical question. And what? Which, of which what is? makes something or someone sentient. Yeah, or real. And, or real. Star Trek's always accused of being a cerebral, they quote, um, Rene Descartes, you know, I think, therefore I am. And they bring up um, mind over matter. And I think that Jung had something written about that. Yes, that mind over matter is a mm-hmm. philosophical term. Yeah. And also, they use it in the Olympics a lot, I hear. Really? Mind over matter. No, I'm not kidding. I think that that is the thing. It's, uh, that it's a mind over body. You, your mind thinks over the limitations of your body in order for your body to excel. 
mm-hmm. or something like that. I think I read that somewhere. Don't ask me to say where. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I like it because it's a Barkley episode. Woot. A. Um, it's a holiday gone wrong episode, which is always super fun. And there's costumes in it, period costumes. Um, there's a cool twist and data. It's a it's kind of a data episode. Not and exactly. we both really like data. And we both episodes. Anytime there's a data episode, we we really like that. So, ah. so that's what I Humor. like. And um, right now we have it playing on mute in the background. And the part that I one of the parts that I like the best is the uh, the scene with the countess, mm-hmm. Barthol- who is who is Moriarty's love interest. He is also trying to get her off of the holodeck as well. And so um, Picard goes to try to negotiate with her instead of Moriarty, and they have the greatest conversation. Yes, I agree. And what is what does she say to him? I can tell that you are a man who always gets what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very right. Well, and also, what's the cool twist that happens? Oh, the holodeck and the holodeck. Right. Yeah. So Moriarty creates... A holodeck a inside holodeck. of the holodeck that Picard, Barkley, and Data are duped. Right. And think thinking that it's the real ship. Right. All of the crew in... The, ship the holodeck is really the holodeck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> a ship in a holodeck, as it were. So that's what's interesting. But the one thing that I don't like about that is that it's the kind of episode where you wish you could watch it again for the first time, because mm-hmm. it's fun when you watch it's it cool the, first the first time around, and you're like, oh, oh, cool. But then when you watch it again, you're like, well, I know that that the twist is happening, but then you kind of forget. Like when when does it happen? Because they're in the holodeck now. Or when are they in the holodeck? And you realize they're in the holodeck as soon as they he come walks. to meet Moriarty yeah, as soon as on Baker the, Street. When they first meet him, yeah. and then he walks out onto the quote unquote ship, which yeah. is really still the holodeck. Yeah. And thus begins my problems with this episode. So if you want to talk about anything else you like, then we'll start our. Um, let's start our, our little rant. Okay. Unfortunately. When we both of us watched this, we started talking this morning before we came to do the podcast, and we realized that, not that we don't like the episode, but that we found a lot of problems with the episode, that it's not really one of the best written, conceptually, I think both of us really like it. yeah. Conceptually, but we don't know that of all of the Star Trek episodes that we know and love, that it's one of the best executed for lots of reasons. What's one of yours? When Moriarty is reactivated, yeah, and he notices the passage of time. He has been in storage for four years. Right. When he asks to see Picard, and Picard says, "Well, we've had the best minds in Starfleet working on how you've become sentient. Why was the hologram still on the Enterprise? If they had the best minds in Starfleet working on it, right? Would it? Would they not have the program in program question and given it to and, them? You know, yeah, activate him, talk to him, figure right. him out." Why would it still be on the Enterprise? And the other question I had regarding that is, Picard is a very um, caring person, very philosophical. I find it hard to believe that he would willingly backburner this guy who was sentient right, right. for so long because and never of, pay him another 
And we think thought. back to one of my big things when he argues about data and measure of a man. Yeah. And he's like, this is new life. We've found it. You know, finding new life is a huge thing to him. And there he sits. And there, oh, don't, don't say it. It'll make me cry. Um, I get very emotional when we talk about measure of the man. So, um, no, but he he gets very emotional about that. And he's very serious about it. But it's kind of, against, you're right. It's kind of against his character to just put him in storage. To his defense, though, let's say he wasn't meaning to ever have anyone work on him. I, I really think that when he put him in storage, he didn't realize he, didn't he realize would notice he would the passive, yeah. passage of time. And the know. other thing is, Picard was a little busy in between season two and season oh, six. Oh, yeah. He was abducted well, you know. by the Borg and the Cardassians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe. Maybe he could Do you ever see that show on E! and think that, that it's Cardassians, even though it's the Cardassian? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch E. There's going to be people who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not on this But podcast. every time they advertise it, it's this stupid reality show about this horrible girl. I mean, you look like if you touch her, you might get some kind of disease. But um, she's in a family called the Kardashians. And every single time I see it, I'm like, you mean the guys that, with the scales that look like? Yeah, no. The aliens? The Kardashians? Okay. <laughs> Rico told us to Talk make this about- an hour, and we're going really fast. <laughs> Talk about off-roading there. <laughs> Our podcasts are usually 30 minutes because we, we talk very quickly. Yeah. Because we're women, maybe. <laughs> Those women. <laughs> well, that's not Did the I- end of the, the talk about No, it. I know. Okay. I was just non-sequiturying in the middle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying to add on to the end. So that way everyone's kind of confused, and then we'll get back to it, and they'll be like, oh, okay, they're talking about Star Trek again. Gotcha. Like, now. Go. And go. <laughs> okay, so what else? So that was that he was in storage, and we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Or that, um, or that Picard just wasn't paying attention to that. The other thing is, would Data be tricked into, believe, or into thinking that he was on the actual ship when he was, in fact, in the holodeck? Is that possible? I mean, in the episode, it is, obviously. Well, yeah. Since he thought he... But knowing that he is a computer, in a sense, himself, mm-hmm. would the surroundings that he was in fool him? Well, to me, the whole thing, as soon as he steps off of the holodeck onto the ship, that's when I, it's like, that seems like it would, it would be, because all he, all he says is, well, guess we got to get you checked out by the doctor now. I mean, something that is not physically possible has just happened, and everyone seems pretty nonplussed about it. I mean, this is like complete miracle, something He called it a miracle. Completely wrong. Yeah, but he's just like... What a miracle. Isn't this a great miracle? It's like, this is a miracle. He's like, light shining down from the heavens. Give him a quadrant golf clap. I know, but that's all we get is the golf clap. I mean, this should be, like, he should be contacting people in Star... I mean, he should be trying... And the thing is, is, like, if you tried to contact people in Starfleet, and then also, look who he's brought to this real world. I mean, this person... Barkley? And he, he says, yeah, poor Barkley, um, but he even says when he takes him to 10 forward and they're talking mm-hmm. um, that he is, you know, that criminal activity. And he Picard seems to know what a dangerous person he is, mm-hmm. you know, and even the girlfriend calls the countess calls him ruthless. I mean, and that's how he's written. That's how the character is. And all of his actions, 
you know, seem to be, I don't care about you, you know, and And I'm going to do anything I can to get what I want. And I don't know. I also seem to think that they maybe need to update their, you know, security protection (laughs) to maybe... Get some virus protection. Get some virus protection if a holiday program can that easily take over. And that was another thing with me was that, you know, of course, he says he has control of the ship, even though it's not the real ship. And he keeps saying this until uh, Picard gets his access codes. And you can only imagine that he's programmed the Geordi character to get the access po- codes from Picard. Yeah. Um, but that's that's but the point that's, at which he hotwires the Enterprise, as we have right, hotwired this we, podcast. Right. But he has really only had control over the holodeck, holodeck. until that point. Right. But... Before that, shouldn't Picard have been a little more upset about him actually getting... Now, at that point, he has Picard's command codes, and of course, he's going to be able to get a hold of the ship. So the only time that made any sense as far as getting command codes away from the actor, or from the actor, from the captain, is when he does it himself, like he did in the second part of the episode, Mm -hmm. or in that episode where Data runs away and he's able to do the voice command. Yeah. Okay, but before that, why didn't they, like, think that it was weird... You know, they, they just accepted the fact that he took over the ship. Uh, there was the one scene where he asked the pretend Geordi that he didn't know was the pretend Geordi. This is a very confusing episode to talk about. He asked the pretend Geordi to uh, try to find a way to... Get the codes back. Get the, get the commands back. Mm-hmm. But, but how did he get... In that case, why didn't they think about how did he get him in the first place? And it just doesn't seem like the holodeck could fool them for that long. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. obviously a couple days have passed, so all both all three of them have gone to their quote unquote quarters and had a nap in the holodeck. In the holodeck, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, okay. come on. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Please, here. no, yes. go. You're always telling me it's a TV show. I know. Suspend your disbelief. I agree. This is one of those episodes where you have to do that to enjoy the. I agree. The story. I agree. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I don't think. True. But then also, (laughs) (laughs) this is a crew that has defeated the Romulans. And the Borg. And the Borg. And they've gone toe-to-toe with Cardassians. And Q. Q. They're even (laughs) able to, not necessarily outsmart, they're able to talk down Q, at least. And they, they have to give in to the, they have to... I mean, now, granted, yes, in the end, they did, they were able to figure it out and outsmart him, but I don't know. I guess also, too, like, Moriarty's one of those characters where I don't want him to get his way. I don't want him to think he's getting his way. I just want him deleted. Do you feel that way, too? (laughs) No. I liked him. (laughs) Delete. I liked Moriarty. And I was very... Are we ready to talk about what happened in the end? Sure. Yes, please. I was very annoyed that the way they handled the situation was they stuck him in a little cube with a program. That's super So technology. he thinks that he's still, you know, so that he thinks he succeeded. In and the he's universe. in the real universe exploring the universe. Ignorance they is didn't bliss, even baby. Try to fi- they didn't really even try to actually get him out of the holodeck because they can't well they could have look at what happened on voyager they have a hollow emitter they allow that allows um the emh the doctor to but move about the ship several years later yes but just to move about the ship but you have to believe that they are experimenting with that technology in the meantime true but i, mean, I don't know when that came about again we go back voyager, to but. yeah if he 
if he's performing a necessary function, if he wants to help, that's a good reason. If it's a doctor, that's a good reason to have somebody roam about the ship. Roam about the ship. But um, somebody who's very likely to kill you is look at you. <laughs> no. I don't know that I want him running, roaming around the ship that way. They kept they've stressed that I don't over care and over again. That that's they how didn't he's written. say that he was really a murderer. I don't care that that's how he's written. <laughs> I that's believed in him. his DNA. <laughs> it's in his. I don't. I don't know. Well, didn't you like the Countess Bartholomew? I did like her. Did you not believe that she deserved a chance at, at being sure, a real But she's person. like some of the friends that I went to college with who insisted on dating guys that were not good for them. <laughs> like Casey. <laughs> we have a guest person with us. She's just listening. She's though. just listening. Um, but there are several girls, very nice, intelligent girls that I know personally who went out with guys who were not necessarily the best for them and were actually quite mean jerks. So they deserved to be stuck in a cube well, and made to believe that they were exploring the yes, universe. When in if fact, you take the chance, they're in storage. If you take the chance of dating somebody like that, <laughs> you deserve what you get. Okay, well, Don't then, come crying to me. Then what happened to the cube? Because the as we broke know... broke up with another guy, <laughs> another girl to come date me. Oh, now he's cheating on me. Well, what did you expect? I'm just saying. I don't think Moriarty ever cheated on Countess Bartholomew. Well, I do agree with that, but I'm just using it as a He was in love with her. I do agree that he was in love with her. What happened to the cube? Because as we know, the Enterprise D was destroyed. Okay, this is where you go way too far. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't believe that they ever sent that cube back to the Starfleet um, scientists to study it. It's just deleted. Why, though? It's just gone. They had something unique. A sentient hologram. Why would they shove it in a box and forget about it? Why wouldn't they send it back to Starfleet to you know study? Why? Because <laughs> you Ron just Moore don't like him. <laughs> Ron Moore was one of the co-producers of this show, and I blame him for most of the inconsistencies in Battlestar, and thus I'm blaming him for this. Done and done. Oh, or we could blame Dr. Pulaski. It's all her fault. All her fault. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pulaski is fun to blame. Fun to blame. Fun, fun to, to blame. blame. <laughs> oh, man. We're sorry. <laughs> We're just going really fast. You're going to have to slow this down in post. Well, believe me, there are a lot of things to fill in the, in between. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. We, don't have, we don't have to make this last Oh, tonight. crap. The cops are on our tail. What? I'm going to cloak. Okay. <laughs> I think we've lost them. <laughs> okay. Suckers. Suckers. <laughs> that was good. Oh, I'm not allowed to laugh. You can laugh. Okay. I've gotten in trouble for laughing before. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in Data. It seemed like Data was off his game. You know? It really did. It seemed like he was off his game. Because he let a hologram trick him. Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, if he was programmed to trick Data, you know? Then that makes sense. If then that means he's that bad. But I oh, this is what we've never really resolved. It's just that I just don't. He's regardless of how it was if he was written that way, he still ended up that way. It's like saying, oh, the poor murderer had a bad childhood. <laughs> well, I'm sorry he had a bad childhood, but he's still a murderer, so he needs to go to jail. <laughs> he's capable of murder still. I mean, he's still capable of all kinds of horrible things. Let him do it in the virtual universe instead of the real universe. He's a fictional character. I don't 
care. That stuff didn't really happen. Well, Star Trek didn't really happen. Well, let's put him in jail because he's he's a lefty. Because hmm? all bad guys are lefties, according to this episode. So are the presidents. The man he accused of um, in the hologram at the start of the episode um, that he accused of killing his brother and making it look like a suicide and writing the note with his left hand was a lefty. Mm -hmm. Moriarty, lefty. The fake Geordi, lefty. And I think it's like 60% of the presidents ever all left-handed. Were they good presidents? I don't know. Or bad presidents? I think it's just in general. I don't know that there was... And isn't it kind of subjective who's a good president and who's a bad president? I guess. <laughs> there are no good presidents. All politicians are bad. You can take that out of the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> anyway, what else you got? I think that's it. On this episode? On this episode? Yes. I think we did pretty good. I liked it. Overall, um, I liked it, and I had fun picking it apart. I did, too. <laughs> Thank you for letting us come on the show, Rico. We're and not done. We're not you done yet? You always try to prematurely end our episodes. I always say thank you, and I'm not supposed to. Stop saying thank you. Thank you. Oh. Don't be so thankful. Okay. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Yep. Hey, weather calling for sunny skies today all across the Midwest. Highs in the upper 80s, lows in the 50s. Okay, well, the hits just keep on coming. Here's the latest geeky goodness on KTRK. It's a guy named Rick Moyer with the latest Star Trek parody song, Move Over, Jim Crochet. Here's Ship in a Bottle on KTRK. There is a woman, the Countess Regina Bartholomew. She was created as a holodeck character for one of Commander Data's programs. If I could watch Ship in a Bottle... The show with James Moriarty I'd laugh at Barkley as he stutters to say You're aware this just can't be If I could make photons be solid The first thing that I'd like to do Is to help James make Regina for real And then again She could be human too But the Heisenberg compensators Won't do the things I want to do Once I enhance them I've tried real hard enough to know It's just not really possible On the hollow deck Professor, I wonder why you're in so much of a hurry. Is this woman involved with you in some illegal venture? Your computer designed her to be a person of impeccable integrity. If I could play Holmes like old Data And Geordi would be Watson too I'd fix the holodeck so things could be perfect Just so they could spend time just the two But to make things right we have to fool And use his rules to save the duo And help them So we'll stick them in a fake shuttle So they can go where they want to go For a lifetime Yes, Bella. Can we go back to us someday? 
course, my dear. Of course. You're listening to KTRK Radio. Radio that's out in this world. Hey, Starfleet officer. Are you having a rough time creating reality? Has spaceflight got you down for the count? Well, we've got just the thing for you. Chief O'Brien's Heisenberg Compensators. Yes, that's right. Your personal compensator to make your hollow dreams reality. Just set these enhancers in a trimetric position around your holodeck item and beam away. Impress your captain. Amaze your friends with Chief O'Brien's Heisenberg Compensators. 35 strips of gold-pressed latinum plus beaming and handling. Ship-to-ship communication to Data's Deals, Utopia Planitia, Starfleet Docking Station 12. Chief O'Brien's Heisenberg Compensators, your fantasy, our reality. Let them materialize today. First I was afraid, I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong, and I grew strong. Hello, everyone. Just listen to, to this special sci-fi so music collection of the century. You've heard him in the cinema. You've heard him on your home theater. Yes, it's Frank, the singing alien pug from Men in Black. In addition, you'll hear the divas, Jen, the true elf, and Angela, the one who laughs, singing the all-time hit, Where My Heart Will Take Me, from Star Trek Enterprise. This is a must-have for your very own music collection. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I will see my dreams come alive at last. I will touch the sky. <laughs> Don't even remember the best. No, hold me down. No, no. No, they're not going to change. Okay. Because I've got faith of the heart. Act now. No. You'll also enjoy the wit, soul, and the mystery of Rick Moyer. Sit back. Crank it up, and the mastery, the gold sound of Rick, will rock you to the stars. Starfleet uniforms, Starfleet uniforms, Starfleet uniforms, uniforms. On TA to some miners, jail Harry and fly the Enterprise, the Enterprise. The Enterprise, that's the shit. The Borg, they've blown up all. Ain't no sound but the sound of space. And for the cube, there comes a ball. Can you hit it? Can you hit the ship? Can your scanners do the trick? Out of time, the distortion takes. Back in history, they slip. Be sure to hurry, as this is a limited time offer. Available only through the 23rd century. Yes, it's the Treks in Sci-Fi Music Collection. You will not find it in stores, and it's only $19.95 plus shipping and handling if you act now. Call 206-202-1548 right now. Call 206-202-1548. Operators are standing by. Okay, because I've got pain. special offer brought to you by Bartok Music Industries. Shipping and handling fee at $23.95. Credit card or PayPal at $11.95. No refunds or replacement, even if Bartok Music Industries neglect to include the disc. Hey there, you. Are you on shore leave? You fancy coming over to my bar? It's Finnegan's Bar. On 2267 Bruce Mass Street. I'll show you a good time. And maybe you can kind of make up for things. Hey, Jimmy boy. Hey there. You're listening to... KTRK. Out of this world radio. Beating up news information and the latest sci-fi hits. 
right, Trex and Sci-Fi fans. Uh, here is a collectible review with Jen and Angela right here on KTRK, Trex in Sci-Fi. I'm not a big collectible person. Don't have a lot of things that collect dust. But um, I do like Star Wars. And I do have a desk that doesn't have very much on it. And so I've recently been getting some Star Wars bobbleheads and um, got quite a few of those. And then recently I bought some um, Gentle Giants bust-ups. The first set I purchased was the Cantina Band, which I really like. They're about three inches tall. And I had to assemble them, which wasn't too hard. It was like the old models you snap together. And uh, that was pretty easy. What was funny was after I received them and I opened the package and started putting them together, my husband went over to the CD player and put the Cantina song in while I was putting it together. I didn't even know he was going to do that. and Totally made the um, project more enjoyable. But if you are an anomaly or a socially functional fangirl and you don't really like toys or models or things like this, but you enjoy the genres, I would suggest trying to get maybe one or two of these little sets for your desk if you you have a desk at home or um, maybe for, you know, your home office or something. They're really fun to look at. And I um, have a lot of coworkers who are not into anything geeky, Star Wars or Star Trek. And I constantly have people coming over to my desk and going, oh, how cute. Wow, that's weird. But they like them. They want to look at them. And the the painting on these little things, the treatment is really well done, which was surprising because I thought, you know, I bought them from Entertainment Earth and they were like 11 bucks. I wasn't expecting much, but the detail is really good. The hardest thing to do was put the little instruments in their hands and snap them together. That was difficult. They have little tiny holes in their mouths that you have to slip the mouthpieces of the instruments into and sometimes they don't fit. Uh, they didn't have any type of instructions, so I wasn't really sure what end of the instrument went into their mouths and what didn't. Um, of course, the clue was the fact that the mouthpiece was very slender and it fit in there, but, you know, some of them don't have mouthpieces, and I wasn't real sure what the function of them was, what they were set, you know, how to set them up. I had to look at the box, and then, you know, the logo was over the top of the picture. But anyway, and in case you don't know, um, the canteen the band was fingering Dan and the modal nodes. And let's see, they showed up in the EU in Tales of Mos Eisley, which was written in 1995 by Kathy Tears. They show up in a story called We Don't Do Weddings. If you haven't read that book, I suggest that you read it because it's a quick read and you can pick and choose between stories. That's it for my collectible review. You're listening to KTRK Radio, radio that's out in this world. Hey, are you tired of being on away missions with a Type 1 phaser? Well, not anymore, buddy. Oh, no. Well, now you, yes, you can have a Type 2 phaser. That's right. You, too, can have this large sidearm type phaser. It's sleeker, it's compact, and it's yours for only $24.95. Don't be just a normal red shirt. Be a Type 2 red shirt. Available now from all good stockists. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, time for the school lunches on KTRK. Today at Starfleet Academy, we'll be serving up Nebula nachos and Gorn goulash. Andorian blue beans and Vulcan applesauce will be served as well. Don't forget for dessert, those nicely, brightly primary colored food cubes. Of course, for only one strip of gold-pressed latinum, you can get the nutrient injection hypo sprayed, and you don't even have to put anything in your mouth. That's the school lunches. Let's get back to more out-of-this-world radio, KTRK. 
Hey everybody, it's time for Peek at a Geek, the segment where we honor geeks that make a difference in the universe we live in. Today's geeky celebrity is an excellent dancer. He loves animals, lightsabers, and a lady named Lynn. He's well-known, he's a podcaster, and the friend from Michigan, Rick Dosty, known to all his friends as Rico. Rico, here's what your friends had to say about you. Hey, Janet, it's Kenny from California. You put out a request for people to send in comments on why they enjoy Trucks and Sci-Fi and the great host, Rico. I have been listening to the Trucks and Sci-Fi since the very beginning. Um, I don't know how I remember, how I found it. I think I just put in Star Trek and his beta podcast, his very first beta test podcast came up. And I took a listen and instantly thought it was one of the best things I've ever heard. Um, I listen to quite a few podcasts, but I think Rico is the only one that I actually listen to as a solo host, which I think is very, very difficult to do. Um, I know I do the Ready Room podcast with you, Jen, and it's so much easier to have someone to banter back and forth with and to be able to hold an audience attention with just yourself and that's it. I mean, it's it is still amazes me that he he pulls it off and it's enjoyable and it's definitely one of my most favorite podcasts you know on the net. And of course, his podcast had led to the Trucks and Sci-Fi forums, which is like my second home. And I co-moderate with Eugene, and we run the role-playing game, and so much has happened. I mean, Trucks and Sci-Fi has, has integrated itself into my life. Um, it's a big part of it. I'm on the boards while at work all day long, so 10, 15 hours. I'm always on the board. And um, I just really enjoy his podcast. Uh, the style, he's all constantly changing it. And, you know, I'm a huge sci-fi geek. And uh, he and I tend to agree on our likes and dislikes. So, um, anyways, I just uh, really enjoy the Trucks and Sci-Fi podcast the forums, everything Rico does is fantastic. And I hope for another few hundred more podcasts. So take care, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Jen. Hi, Angela. And hi, Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Joe from Toronto, Billy Bob from the forums. Uh, And I'm uh, sending this in because I wanted to tell you guys a little story about myself. Uh, I've as long as I can remember, been a sci-fi fan since as long as I could watch TV, since as long as I could read books, since as long as I could understand external stimuli, I've loved sci-fi. And as a part of that, I've always loved Star Trek. And so that's a little overview, but uh, let's fast forward to maybe like last year, uh, you know, sitting at work and uh, my love for Star Trek had kind of weakened a little bit, maybe waned, let's say. Uh, you know, there hadn't been much Star Trek on TV in a while since Enterprise. I never really got into Enterprise. You know, I'd really like Star Wars and other things like that. You know, Star Trek had kind of burned out a little for me, which uh, which is an unfortunate thing. So I was sitting at work listening to uh, another one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Extra Life Radio, hosted by Scott Johnson and a couple of other great guys. And as I was listening to episodes, there was always this guy who would, uh, you know, submit these movie reviews and, 
other things like that, and uh, he called himself Rico. T captured my attention. He seemed like an interesting guy. He had kind of a unique voice, and he kept talking about this podcast in his little segments to Extra Life Radio called Treks and Sci-Fi. Now, being that I liked sci-fi so much, I thought maybe I should check this out. So I went, found him on iTunes, downloaded a few episodes, and I started listening. Actually, I think, yeah, I think I started listening at, you know, the most recent one. And uh, I was amazed. I was entertained. And it honestly made me want to go and watch, I can't remember exactly which episode it was that, uh, that I was listening to, but it made me want to go watch that Star Trek episode. So I, down, I went back to, I think I listened to one previous, and then maybe another one previous to that, and then I just jumped right back to the beginning. And I listened from the beta cast and up until you know the, uh, the episode that I had downloaded initially, over about a month <laughs> of sitting at work. And uh, you know over, the time, over time and over listening to these shows, it totally 100% rekindled my love for Star Trek. Realizing that I hadn't seen Enterprise all the way through, I started watching it again with my wife, and then we proceeded to watch all of DS9 together, and then we proceeded to watch all of Voyager together, and, um, you know, I have uh, basically Trex and Sci-Fi to thank for that, so uh, I just wanted to say thank you Trex and Sci-Fi, and thank you Rico 100% for uh, rekindling my love for Trek, and uh, enhancing my love for Sci-Fi in general, and for creating the community that you have which uh, I'm very very proud to be a part of so this is Joe from Toronto Billy Bob on the forums saying thank you Rico for doing a great job and putting out a great show every week Hi this is Meds otherwise known as Hawkeye Meds on the Treks in Sci-Fi's forums I actually started listening to Treks in Sci-Fi back in November 2007 I was able to download all the past podcasts and for me it was brilliant being able to listen to this great new show every day now I've listened to many other podcasts in the past, and none really had that fandom feel to it. And by that, I mean, when Rico talks about anything to do with sci-fi, you automatically think you're sitting next to him in a pub, e.g. sitting with your mate, having a good old chat. Of course, now I'm a member of the RPG, I write quite a bit, I try and add as many posts as I can, and I've also been given the opportunity to do part of the audio drama. So for me, Treks in Sci-Fi has, well, it's not only made my working day go quickly by using my iPod and just listening to some geeky fandom, but it's also given me some great friends, and whenever you get to make friends, you know you're onto a good thing. So I'd like to thank you, Rico, for not only introducing me to new and old sci-fi, but introducing to me some good friends and a wonderful community. Thanks, mate. Keep up the good work. Hey, this is Moyer777 in Aberdeen, Washington. My name is Rick Moyer. And uh, I just wanted to say how much I love Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. Found it a couple of years ago, and I've listened to it every single week since. It's so fun to be able to listen to you, uh, Rick. You are just a great host. I love what you have to say about the episodes, and your your mind is cool. I identify with your thoughts and enjoy listening to your perspective on the different Trek episodes. You're creative. One of the things I like the most about you um, is the fact that you are not egotistical. You are a guy that shares your show with your listeners, and uh, we all enjoy contributing and being part of the community on the forums and especially on the podcast. It's just so cool. You really are a great guy, and we really, I really appreciate what you do. Our whole family enjoys you, Rico, and, and we appreciate you. Thanks so much for all you do. For the... Try to... 
And that was an oldie but a goodie from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, it's 11.35 p.m. and you're listening to WTSF, the Trex and Sci-Fi Radio Network, with your DJ, Chasey Chasen. Coming up next, we have a listener subspace transmission from Sector 00, deep in the heart of the Federation. It's from a guy named Wraith1701, and let me read it to you. It goes, Dear WTSF, I just love the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. It never fails to show me new things and track episodes I thought I knew inside out. It allows me to look at different sci-fi shows and films with new eyes, letting me catch things that I might have missed on the first viewing. The podcast manages to be both informative and highly entertaining at the same time. It's kind of like watching an old Trek episode with a bunch of good friends. Thanks for the great show, Rico, and keep them coming. Well, thank you, Raid1701. For those kind words, we're sure that uh, Rico will appreciate them. Uh, before we get to our next song, we've got to hear a little bit from our sponsor, Fruity Odie Bars. Remember, Fruity Odie Bars are guaranteed to make a man out of a mouse and to make you bust right out your blouse. I'm an off-the-cuff kind of person. I know you are, and that's why I like you. Okay. Okay. We've been listening to Rico for almost three years now. In fact, his was the first podcast we ever heard. I introduced my friend and co-worker and co-host, Angela, to podcasts by telling her about Treks and Sci-Fi. We're both fans of science fiction and fantasy, and we like the way that Rico mixed it up. Um, listening to Treks and Sci-Fi was like chatting with a friend. And once we joined the forum, we got to know Rico a little better. Thanks for the great community you've created on the forum. If you're listening to this podcast, you should join the forum. We've made lots of friends there. We owe a lot to Rico. <laughs> He has shared the spotlight with us. I didn't know. I'm going to leave that in, too. <laughs> <laughs> what I remember about Rico, I just, can I be my off-the-cuff Okay, self? then I should start over and be off-the-cuff, no, too, like, so it no, sounds I right. It goes, no, I think it'll be funny. Um, <laughs> what I like is that at first, I think Rico was planning on doing mainly TOS, because I think he does like TOS just the slightest bit better and do mainly that and then all of us started getting on the forums and going we like tng <laughs> we like tng better do more tng episodes <laughs> and then he acquiesced and started doing a few more tng and and uh, voyager enterprise deep space nine so i i just want to thank him for including some of us and and our passion for tng as well as our passion for Star Trek in general, and that I just want to thank him for doing that. He also shares his spotlight a lot. Yes, and I mean one of the ways that he sh- he um, has allowed others to to kind of contribute creatively was through the RPG on his forums, which yes. I moderate, and that was has been a lot of fun. and And it's kind of branched out into a microcast, which he's 
so nicely shared his feed with Kenny and I to do that and to update yeah. the writers, which Rico also has, happens to be um, one of the writers. a part of. Yeah, he's one of the writers. Cool. But in addition to that, there's more. But wait, there's more. Um, Rico encouraged Angela and I yes. to create our own podcast. Which we did. Yes, he thought that as female geeks that we would have an interesting point of view as far mm -hmm. as science fiction and fantasy goes. So thank you, Rico, for encouraging us to do that. He helped us um, by encouraging us and also by... Helping us technically with yeah, things. Yeah, technically. He did a lot of Skype because calls with us. feeds are very annoying. They are. I would like to say. Yes. They, they speak their own language. But mm -hmm. once you figure it out, it's okay. But there's lots of little things that you have to do. Yeah. And he was very helpful. And I think that Jen calls us... What? Jen likes to call us... My, I don't know what you're talking No. Oh, well, I've joked in the past that we're like um, the Laverne and Jer... We're like the Laverne and Shirley <laughs> to his happy... Laverne and Jerry to his happy... Tom and Jerry? <laughs> we're like the Laverne and Shirley to his happy days. Yes. And that's very true because we kind of got our start on his show and... Anomaly spun off from Treks and Sci-Fi. Yes. And so we thank you for that. We tried really hard not to scratch your podcast. <laughs> okay. Turn off the headlights and coast it back into the driveway. I'm going to transfer the command codes now. We want to thank Rick Moyer for his help with the radio segments and Metron 07 for the, some of the music that was played. And also the, the people who sent in um, thank yous for Rico. Like Hawkeye Meds, who also did some of the really funny um, fake commercials that we added. Thanks, Rico. We hope everyone enjoyed um, this very special anomalous Trex in Sci-Fi. Thank you. <laughs> I always like to say the thank end. you. Yes, you do. cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species, organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose, to add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy, the definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the mirror universe. Join us on the Ready Room microcast as we read a chapter each week, or visit the Trex and Sci-Fi forum and follow the crew of the Arabella in Season 8 of the RPG as they battle the Borg in two dimensions, the mirror universe 
has never been so treacherous. Anomaly. Something that deviates from what is standard, normal, or expected. An oddity. Peculiarity. Irregularity. Inconsistency. Incongruity. A rarity. When you're not listening to Treks and Sci-Fi and our friend Rico, please listen to the Anomaly Podcast. You can find us online at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. That concludes Treks and Sci-Fi. Special thanks to Rick, Kenny, Eric, Joe, Meds, Vartok, Metron07, and Angela for their contributions. Comment on this and other episodes by visiting the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum and joining the community. This has been a Rick Dosty production, copyright 2008. Dead air. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking. No dead air. But you won't let me read, so it's hard to know when I'm sorry. In which the Moriarty character from the bad guy from Sherlock Holmes was created, accidentally created as a sentient being (laughs) in the holodeck to um, to defeat Data. And, and who did that? Who did that? Okay, let me explain. <laughs> like everything that's wrong in Star Trek The Next Generation, Dr. Pulaski did it. <laughs> Poor Dr. Darn Pulaski. her. Darn her. She, she messed everything up. Data. Well, not the whole time. No. But, but yeah. ever since she did that, I just... Yeah, poor Dr. Pulaski. She gets a lot of flack from everybody because of that. You know, she was in the original... Yes. Yeah. Anyway... Probably was no luck busting. on that one for this one, huh? This is all staying in. <laughs> yeah, great. Outtakes. Guess what, Rigo? We're talking about boob size. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.